there was a handful of Trump supporters out on the corner of the road where you turn down and go to his golf club, but they were diehard to the extreme supporters. Um, they said that he is innocent, he could murder someone, and they would still support him. Um, one thought that he was sent by God and uh, he would take a bullet for him. Hey, it's Johanna Maska, and on this episode of Press Advance, I am finally getting to catch up with my friend, Kelly Meyer, who has been traveling literally nonstop for the last month, getting out to candidate announcements, getting to speak with voters, and getting to hear directly from the American people. I think it's important that we have that gut check, because sometimes when you're living in your own bubble, you aren't hearing directly from the American people. I will say this week we've been in Washington for News Nation's program, The Hill, and it was a lot of fun. But I love diving a little deeper than we can on television with Kelly Meyer. So we had to start with all of the places she's been, leaving her little D.C. apartment behind. Oh, Kelly, you have been busy. Tell me all oh, of the yeah. locations you have been following the campaigns yeah. around the country. Where have you been in the last four weeks? It's been so busy. And, you know, it got so busy, I guess, earlier than we expected. Maybe we anticipated this, but I felt like it was just like horses right out of the gate the last couple of weeks. Um, so first we were in Iowa. Uh, we had that DeSantis-Trump rally that was didn't kind of pan out with Trump canceling his at the last minute. Then we were off to, I believe it was Charleston, South Carolina for uh, South Carolina Senator Tim Scott to announce. Then we were to Miami, Florida with the uh, Twitter announcement, Ron DeSantis getting into the race. Then the next week we went back to Iowa. He launched his campaign there. Two days later, Trump came back to Iowa. Then there was that big Republican uh, roast and ride event. Uh, and then Pence, a couple days later, uh, former Vice President Mike Pence announced in Iowa. And then it was back to Bedminster, New Jersey for the second Trump arraignment and reaction there. Uh, so all along the way, talking with voters, which has been really, like we were talking about earlier, just fascinating to hear from people outside of the Beltway bubble. Yeah. Uh, it's been so refreshing and just so nice to hear from voters. I love that part. Well, and for our listeners, I I always think, you know, we're from outside of Washington. Yeah. You're from outside of Scranton, Pennsylvania. Yeah. Yeah. Wilkes-Barre, Scranton, Pennsylvania. I grew up in uh, Wilkes-Barre, Hanover Township, actually. And I was just back home this past weekend. And it just really is refreshing to to see folks and get outside of D.C. And, you know, people aren't thinking about politics all the time like not. we are. And they're also just want the, you know, bread and butter issues. They just want to take care of their family. They want to buy groceries. You know, you go to church and they're talking about cooking after that or on the barbecue. And it's just nice. And it just makes you want to cover those issues that really matter to them. So it really keeps you grounded and reminds you why you got into this in the first place, which is just to help people, you know? Well, and that is the truth. Like, I remember... I grew up in Galesburg, Illinois, and mm -hmm. then I was working in Iowa. I lived in Iowa before I worked on President Obama's campaign and came to Washington. And after, you know, it was two years of the campaign, six years of Washington, I was pretty jaded. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and I was like ready to leave because you see like there's there's good people working on both sides of the aisle, but mm -hmm. there's also the power hungry people right. working on both sides of the aisle and identifying who those are. Sometimes it's hard, but when you get out and you see people on the trail, yeah. like what I loved about Iowa in particular 
is people are meeting each other in their living rooms Mm -hmm. and they're like actually talking about the issues. Mm -hmm. So tell me, let's go back in time to Iowa when you were there and DeSantis was kind of, you know, thinking about announcing soon. Mm -hmm. What was that like? What was he uh, doing? Well, it was interesting that first weekend where it was kind of like leading up to his announcement. Everybody kind of knew it was just the worst kept secret. You knew he was going to announce. I even asked him, you know, does this mean you're inching closer? And he said, no news, you know, stay tuned type thing. But he really was trying to be more charismatic with the people and the voters there because he's been kind of hit on that, his personality. He brought his wife. um, Casey DeSantis is a secret weapon. Exactly. He brought her as well. So she was there even before he announced. Is that right? Yeah, she was touring. So he had a couple stops. I remember it was a Saturday uh, in May, I believe it was, uh, that he had three stops. Then he added the fourth after Trump had canceled that event. And he he added it to go to Des Moines, where it was funny because Jason Miller was on air with us at Mm -hmm. News Nation. And he said, you know, in Iowa, when there's a tornado watch, everyone clears the streets. And I was like, I lived in Iowa and I'm pretty sure everyone goes outside to see if the tornado's there. Exactly, exactly. So DeSantis went to Des Moines when Trump canceled and he said, it looks like really nice weather here. Yeah. Yeah. How did that go over with Iowans? You know, they were at least, you know, the ones that we saw there were really excited for DeSantis. Um, The ones that were there for Trump were disappointed. They were Mm. waiting there. I mean, what did rain a little bit through the day. So they were waiting in the rain for him. They were excited. Um, And DeSantis had an event uh, at the same time, two hours away in Cedar Rapids. And then he came back to Des Moines for to do that fourth event where Trump was supposed to be. And he didn't cancel his events at any point. So I was watching that and paying attention to the weather. And, you know, like you said, from Iowa, the Iowans are, you know, resilient. And even when the dark clouds were moving in, I was like, should we be scared? And they were like, this is Iowa. This is just (laughs) Iowa weather. Um, So they were just excited and seemed really energized around DeSantis. So for me, that was my first time covering him, meeting him, seeing him. And I thought he was very charismatic with the voters there. But it's interesting now, I've seen a change going back to Iowa since he announced some voters have said to me that he seems a bit more wooden. And I think that's why he is having Casey with him, especially at that roast and ride event, brought the three kids, brought her. It makes him look a little softer because voters are recognizing that he does seem a little stiff. He does mm. is his first time running as you know presidential candidate. And it seems like, at least according to the voters, they can tell. Um, they like him, but they think he might not have it just yet. So I, I do. I think there's so many similarities to the Clinton versus Obama campaign because Clinton's um, advanced people were pretty brash. They would come into Iowa and, you know, like use people as props. And for us, we really saw people as voters and uh, and we're trying to engage them. And I remember the first time we came into town for the announcement tour. Now, thank God we didn't have a Twitter disaster. I never would have let that happen, by the way. But, I, know, I saw your tweet about that. You're I was like, like oh my would God. not have happened. No, I would yeah. have made sure everything was working. Anyway, uh, the... the um, uh, after the initial announcement, when he went around, uh, he came back to town and people were like, oh, he's just kind of a celebrity. Like, we're not sure about him, right? And that's kind of an Iowa way. Mm-hmm. Like, people are a little skeptical, which I love. Mm-hmm. So tell me about the Trump people who were so excited to see him yeah. with the rally. Were there a ton of people waiting there? Like, From what I heard, and we saw some of them, but... There were, you know, rumors swirling around that it wasn't quite the crowd that he wanted, and that is essentially why it was canceled in the end. I 
can't confirm or deny that that is true. That was just some of the speculation around it because the weather was essentially fine in the end, like DeSantis was saying. Um, but there were some crowds gathered. Um, he has been doing more events that are smaller than what we would really expect from him. But you know, the la- when he did go to Iowa to return, they were very small events at a restaurant. He was in a gymnasium talking with voters and brought pizza. It was mind-blowing for me to see because I covered him in 2016 and he was doing these like big, big rallies. And then to see him in a school gymnasium, it was yeah. such a change. But then also that is how you do it in Iowa at the same time if he wants to reach folks on a more grassroots level. And I think that is a switch in his campaign intentionally. Um, I-, I don't know if it's a switch in terms of that's just all he's able to get out there. Um, but I do think, at least from those voters we talked to, they feel as though he has the same support, uh, if not more, than in 2016 now this time around, despite the charges and the ongoing investigations and the things he's facing. They the think he has more support they is feel, what they're they feel saying. As though he's, yeah, they feel as though he has that it factor still to this day. When you ask them, are you voting for President Trump? Are they all saying yes or are they all saying more we're feeling out all the different candidates? It's a mix and it's a good question because, you know, Iowa voters. So they are, you know, still hearing folks out. They go to each and every event. Yes. So they they check out because they do get that. I always call it the sample platter of candidates, which is great. They I mean, out of every state, they have all of them coming in. So they really could get a sense of what each candidate could bring to the table. But some of those diehard Trump Trump supporters are They're still there. They're still there. They were there. They went to the rally. They are from Iowa. They live in Iowa. They were there for the rally. He canceled on them, and they are still 100% with him. Yeah. What's, like, in terms of the feel, in terms of when you went to the roast and ride, Mm -hmm. for example, what did you feel is, like, the percentage? Because when you see the polls, it's about, you know, actually the polls of who's going to vote for Trump are still over the majority of people. But, you know, that hard support is a smaller number of people who are completely unwilling to look at another Mm -hmm. candidate. What do you get the sense of, like, what percentage of people you're talking to are diehard, absolutely sticking with Trump? And then what percentage of people are looking around? Yeah, it's a good question. And it's it's I'm glad that we have a chance to kind of dive into that day because it was so interesting to be there and just see all of the different uh, groups of uh, both voters, but then also folks that were there for each of the different candidates. Like you had everybody there that day, except for Where were the young, President Trump. What were the young people like? Were there young people for one candidate? I, you know, there wasn't so many young folks there. Um, hmm. There definitely were, maybe it was a majority 50 plus, I would say, if not older than that. Um, I didn't see many young voters out at that. Um, it was, you know, a motorcycle ride at the start of it, hosted by Iowa Republican Senator Joni Ernst. So she and former Vice President Mike Pence did the ride, motorcycle ride into the fairgrounds, Iowa State Fairgrounds. And then they went inside and had this kind of like uh, barbecue, sat at tables, and then each of the candidates came up on stage and gave their kind of pitch. Um so I would say the, it was mixed, though. Um, and I asked folks as they were leaving, what did they think of people? And a lot of them came in with like their, you know, who they thought they would like, which was either Trump or Ron DeSantis. And that's when they said they left and thought that he was a bit wooden. And others were really surprised by Nikki Haley and Tim Scott, um, and even some with Vivek as well. So I think there are there is definitely plenty of room for Iowa voters who have not made up their mind and are feeling out the you know, the candidates, but 
there's still some of that diehard Trump support worked in there. So I don't always trust the polling. I definitely love I agree. the taste of like, I, who's on I the I write off the polls yeah. and you've been there on the ground. But yeah. that's most surprising thing to me that you just said was that there's not a lot of young people coming to any of these events in Iowa. Because we did actually get young people mm-hmm. to our events in Iowa. But you're not seeing that even in Des Moines and it's like more urban like locations. Not Still not as much. I'm trying to think back to like one event where there I would have seen maybe young, younger kids, and or like you know just, young adults with young families. There might have been a handful of families there, especially at the Roast and Ride. That was definitely more uh, older or even 65 plus as well. Um, I'm trying to think to an event where there might have been younger. Maybe at the DeSantis barbecue there was a younger crowd, but just by chance that they were out that night anyhow and then DeSantis came Mm. to that barbecue spot um otherwise it's you know volunteers that you see are the younger have you seen uh obviously Mike Pence got in the race in the midst of all this Mm -hmm. um have you seen anyone in your travails who are Mm -hmm. like huge Mike Pence fans I did meet one voter who was surprised he actually said to me I didn't think I would say this but I liked Mike Pence. Like when I said, who who did you like today? And he said, I didn't think I would say this, but Mike Pence really, I would say he might have my vote over Trump, over DeSantis. Um, he really liked what he had to say. So his message might be getting across, but I will say he's the second one that we saw launch his presidential campaign in Iowa. They're all vying for that Iowa evangelical vote, especially for Pence. He is very religious, um, very, uh, you know, talking about his uh, his faith and, and you know, abortion. Uh, you know, he obviously is against that. Um, but his rally, his opening launch, I think was the most, like, lacking of energy out of the ones that we've seen. I saw Tim Scott, DeSantis, and Pence, and it just felt the energy wasn't really there. It wasn't a lot of people in the room. Mm-hmm. I walked in and actually thought it was going to be, like, that was the press room where you go and talk to folks after. That was actually the room where they did the announcement. It was very small. Uh, very intimate and not a ton of energy as much as we saw for someone like Tim Scott. I mean, you saw that announcement that was in a gymnasium. Gymnasium. It was loud. It was um, people fired up. It's a very different um, vibe and energy coming from Pence. How is Tim Scott doing in Iowa? I think he is growing in support when people hear him. Um, it's interesting the energy that he had that day of his announcement. I'm curious if he keeps that up as he goes along the road because he hasn't, you know, done something like this before and really had that chance to meet with voters one on one. But those folks leaving that day did say that they were impressed by what he had to say. So mm. um, I'm not sure exactly, you know, how many would you know vote for him in the end. But he is, I would say, Tim Scott and Nikki Haley, which is interesting that both the candidates from South Carolina are the two that I've heard people be surprised about. So I'm kind of watching them as I go along. Well, and it is Tim Scott to me, you know, his message of we can, you know, unify the country, I think would be a strong message in a general election. Um, Also, I saw President Obama was talking to David Axelrod and said uh, something about, you know, not believing that. Uh, Tim Scott or Nikki Haley are cognizant enough of, you know, the legacy of racism. And I thought, I remember candidate Obama in Iowa, and he was running to be the president of the United States. And we were not talking about race a lot. Um, In fact, I remember the times that he was talking about race, it was really taking on it on in a way where people can start to explore and see 
the issues that are historical. But I actually think Tim Scott in some way does that. He talks about whether it's criminal justice issues of being profiled or the like. He has spoken about that. And I thought it was an interesting criticism because, like I said, going Mm -hmm. back in time to when we won Indiana, North Carolina, and everything, I do remember him delicately balancing Mm -hmm. that issue. Is that coming up on the trail at all, Um, race of candidates or uh, kind of any of the issues there or not really? Well, I think back to, because I covered um, Senator Scott on the Hill when he was pushing for the police reform and he was the lead negotiator on that. And a lot of people and a lot of in the media would, you know, call him the the lone black senator working on this. And I know in personal interviews with him, he really didn't want to get into that. He just wanted to be the senator fighting for police reform. Yeah. He didn't want to be the lone black senator fighting for police reform. Um, so he kind of just wanted, and I think that's how he presented himself when he launched his candidacy that day. He just wanted to kind of stay away from that and just focus on, you know, uniting the country. Um, So I haven't seen him get too much into race um, when he's on the trail, especially in a place like Iowa. I haven't heard him do that. But I I also think that's not much of a change from what we've seen from him for the last several years. That's just who he is. He just doesn't want to, he just kind of shies away from it or just stays away from it in general. Now, the other thing that was really powerful for us was actually Mrs. Obama going on the trail. Um, I think Mrs. Obama could humanize President Obama at the very early stage in a way that he couldn't humanize himself. And so when I'm watching Casey DeSantis, I am looking to see, is she doing that? How is she doing that? Has she done, she's only done events with him so far, right? I think so. I think so. She might have done some things on her own, but yeah, I think she's been mostly with him. I think it was interesting during his launch in um, Iowa, he opened and then kind of took a break and she went in on this like intermission type speech and then he came back in and she kind of revved up the audience and she was so personable and sharing stories about how they left the kids at the mansion and they're going to be drawing all over the walls and really painted a picture of their personal intimate life behind the scenes and that's what people want to know because as you said it humanizes them and he was just so it seems stuck to the script um and just kind of came up and wasn't too personable. He just kind of stuck to his main talking points, which he did Mm -hmm. throughout that visit in Iowa. It was the same speech over and over again. For her, she brought up different things. She was very light. So I think it did humanize him a bit more, make him a bit more personable, especially then to come out, you know, days later with the kids at the event um, and, you know, to pick them up, sign the bus, um, showing that he can be a father and a presidential candidate. So I do think, as you said, secret weapon really helping him on the trail because he is so right now kind of stiff and sticking to the script. Now, you got the question that got the most coverage out of DeSantis Mm -hmm. when you um, had asked him a question when he did his make himself available with for press, which is rare that he makes himself available for press, right? Yes. Um, Tell us about that. So after his launch, he brought the press back to a room and he had some supporters in there. So it was almost like it was like a little town hall question answer with the press in the back of the room. And he took a couple. um, There was some controversy around that because he called specifically on different outlets, but I didn't know that he was going to be calling on us. And then I asked him about the attacks that Trump was aiming at him. And if now that he was a candidate, if he was going to get a bit more aggressive on the trail. And that's when he responded and said, I'm going, you know, if someone comes after me, I'm going to fight back. 
back. Um, he, you know, he said that he was, you know, Trump's also from Florida. Like he's, you know, kind of criticizing his response, but he's he from said, the state. He said like he's, yeah. he's talking trash on our state, yeah, but he, he literally lives. moved here yes. to be with me. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so I was response. surprised to like see him be so animated. I So I think he knew it was coming um, that the, you know, hitting the questions about Trump that he was going to get them. And he came ready and got a lot of headlines from that. So, and he's been hitting back ever since because um, he wasn't really mentioning his name on the trail. He didn't n- mention his name in that speech that night. And it wasn't until after that he really started getting into it. Well, I do hope that they keep calling on News Nation. Yes. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> because, Me too. because News Nation is trying to be very fair yeah. about the coverage. And I know you are. So you didn't just cover Iowa. You actually also went to South Carolina. Yeah. South Carolina is a very different state than Iowa is, but it's got more prominence in the Democrats uh, category now. Now, I went from Iowa to South Carolina. So and we were really lucky to win South Carolina, because if you remember, President Obama actually lost New Hampshire. And then uh, we kind of lost Nevada. We didn't Mm -hmm. win. And then uh, we went to South Carolina. And had we not won South Carolina, I think it would have been, you know, our funeral. But instead, we won South Carolina and then went on to the entire race. Mm -hmm. South Carolina, tell me, like, what's the difference in terms of the voters there and the interactions? What are you seeing so far? Well, and like you said, it it definitely is the battleground um, for both sides, really. But you're seeing more candidates, I feel like, going to this early nominating state of South Carolina. We know New Hampshire and Iowa, but South Carolina, you're seeing more and more flocking to and North Carolina. Um, And I think you'll see, especially with those two candidates from South Carolina, I've been watching the fight that they've kind of been having over, you know, the mayor of Myrtle Beach saying that they're endorsing Nikki Haley and hosting fundraisers for her. Then you have Tim Scott from North Charleston. And it's like making this divide in the state over who who is supporting within the battleground, the battlegrounds within that battleground state. So it's really fascinating to see that. Um, But it is such a different uh, voting base there and how they're kind of bringing that into the race in terms of both going to Iowa, New Hampshire, and then tracking around along South Carolina. I don't know. I think it's be interesting to see what kind of support each of the candidates get. You know, who wins in Iowa compared to who wins in South Carolina? I think we'll just be two totally different people. You think it's going to be? I think so. And um, I was shocked to hear President Trump say that he is so confident he's going to win Iowa. Because, one, I— you he know, didn't before. He didn't. Right. <laughs> he didn't the last yeah. time. Two, look, I think that the indictments and look, there's plenty of people who disagree with me very, very much so online. They are out there. And so I know there are plenty of people who think, you know, because he was indicted, it's another witch hunt. Um, But there's a lot of people in Iowa who are kind of those Christian conservatives who may not say it's your face, but they are judging your value structure. And I've just got to believe that a lot of those Iowans may be looking at different candidates, whether or not they're telling the press in person or not. And so he said he is for sure going to win Iowa. What did you make of that? You know, I think two things. One, you know, they have to come out here and say they're they're going to win because that's their strategy. All of them are, you know, DeSantis said the same thing, that he's going to win the evangelical vote in Iowa, which effectively means he thinks he's going to win Iowa because they make up the majority of voters there. Um, so you're hearing everybody say that they're going to win it. Penn said he's going to win it. So everybody's fighting for Iowa. It's the first in the nation caucus. They want to come out of the gate and say they won and move on. Um, but whether or not Trump does win in the end, I mean, like we said, he didn't win back in 2016. It was Ted Cruz. He's switching up his 
his um, campaigning, like we said, going after the more grassroots. So see if that works. And then I do think that if there are more and more candidates, like the Trump campaign is saying, it's going to help them. And I and that might be true because if their vote is split over all these different people, but he still has that bulk, I mean, then the margins will be in his favor. I've heard from some Republicans that they expect that that is going to consolidate very rapidly and around one person. I don't know that it consolidates around DeSantis, though, because DeSantis, there's not there are plenty of people within the Republican Party who don't feel like he's been a team player. Um, are you hearing any inkling of that? And what about the staffs? Because the other thing is, <laughs> you have all of these people behind, you know, yeah. all of these candidates. Are you engaging with them? And what would you say about the strength of some of their teams? Well, definitely DeSantis, you know, he had the Never Back Down pack making inroads mm-hmm. way before he even announced. So I think that definitely gave him a leg up. A lot of the people that work for the Never Back Down um, pack were also part of these like state and local groups. So they really have that infrastructure on the local voting base. So I think that helps a lot. So I think he definitely has the strength behind him with who's supporting him. But I do think in terms of, you know, if he is a team player or not, I don't know if I haven't really heard that remark from the voters, at least. Like, I know we talk about it in D.C., but that's something that I didn't think really carried over. They might not care about the inner workings of the they they just want him to do a good job. And so if he ends up winning Iowa and he ends up winning South Carolina, then he ends up getting everybody consolidate around him. I mean, that's the truth, right? Like the policies that Nikki Haley is for are not largely different than the policies that um, DeSantis has been for with some certain exceptions, whether they've gone after him on the Disney stuff, Mm -hmm. some of, you know, the culture stuff that he's fought harder than some of the others. Yeah. But I do think, is it also, you know, DeSantis is, I keep thinking about this because after talking with voters, they liked him, but then there were so many of the other candidates that they liked too. I'm like, is DeSantis just getting all this attention because Trump is giving him the attention? I wonder Mm. if that is really true because Mm. Trump is making him such a thing is even a thing compared to all the other candidates because um, there are so many others that have the same qualities as him. So did you see, because I always talk about enthusiasm, what were the most enthused crowds for any candidate? Trump, probably. Mm. Still. He's still got the base. Yeah. It's going to be really interesting because um, I suppose he could win. You've seen him. Uh, the indictment most recently you were in Bedminster after the indictment what was that like still unwavering support um, at least I mean there was a handful of Trump supporters out on the corner of the road where you turn down and go to his golf club but they were die hard to the extreme supporters um, they said that he's innocent he could murder someone and they would still support him um, one thought that he was sent by God and uh, he would take a bullet for him. These people support him even more than years ago. And it's so interesting. Is today the day? I think today is the 16th or so. So what, it was eight years ago that he came down the golden escalator, Mm. uh, June 15th or 16th, 2015. And he still has, I was thinking about that this, this week, because he still has such a hold on not only our politics, but on our media, we're talking yeah. about it still. I mean, yeah. I moved here to cover Washington in May 2015. So he's been the uh, 
the entirety of my Washington career. So I've been talking about him. So it's interesting to see the change and maybe no change. Um, we literally overlapped. I was here from the beginning of the administration until oh. uh, about April of 2015 yeah. when I moved out yeah. uh, outside of the bubble. <laughs> <laughs> so between us, we yeah. have some institutional knowledge yes. going back to the beginning of the Obama exactly. era. And I think people were surprised that Trump connected because he lives in a penthouse in New York, but he connects with people who are ordinary people. I mean, That's the people you're talking to, they're driving minivans. They're In some cases, I've met Trump supporters. They're very kind. They pick up trash on, you know, sidewalks and they're, they're kind people. And, you know, for me, I am like, are you sure that Donald Trump is as kind because, I mean, he just went after Kaylee McEnany. I was shocked by that. Mm. Kaylee McEnany was, of course, his press secretary, very close aide. Um, I didn't think what she said was like, I say meaner things about Joe Biden all the time. <laughs> and no one has called me from yeah. Biden's administration and said, Johanna, keep in check. Mm -hmm. Or like, we need you to hush now. Right, right. <laughs> and yet, you yeah. know, it was kind of shocking to me that he went on Truth Social and said this about yeah. Kaylee. And, you know, I've gotten to know Stephanie Grisham, Alyssa Farah, mm -hmm. some of these right. women who were very close with him. And the second that they said anything That's that it. was not supportive of him. And again, I would be written off the Democratic Party if that was the case, but I have not been. Yeah. <laughs> they they lost any sort of open door. Yeah, he's very much about that loyalty card. Loyalty I mean, you hear first. it about DeSantis. He's says that's a big reason, you know, I helped him out. And now look at him, he's turning his back on me. He's very much all about this loyalty. The second you say anything bad, it's just game over. I hated in Washington, there were different kinds of people, I thought. There were the people who were like the loyalists, who like, I will do anything even if it's unethical. And then there were the people who were like the thinkers, who were like, this probably is not the right thing we should be doing, and I'm going to tell you all why. <laughs> like, I thought it was so dangerous to see that loyalist element because you don't, you don't stop even when it's unethical. And look, like politicians are not all good, and they, you know, nobody is all good. Every single person, we are all flawed. We are all capable of sin. And so you have to have the people around you who are going to push back. I will say I am troubled that Biden doesn't have more of the critical voices within his orbit. But like I said, he's never once called me and told me not to be critical. Mm -hmm. So with Trump, I guess he's never turned against these people who are his people who follow him. But he's never really gone out of his way to go help them. Or am I not seeing it? Is he actually doing something? Because my understanding of what happened at the deli when he went into the deli after he was indicted, he said, food for everyone. And then he left without paying. I just heard that, too. It was one of the reports. And I mentioned that in my story tonight. Um yeah, I don't I don't know what happened there. Um, or, yeah, that he just went in there and didn't pay the tap. I'd have to double check on that. But I did hear that same headline that he just went in and said food for all and walked right back out. Um, but I don't know if, you know, 
if he I'm sure those that stay loyal to him he you know keeps in his circle but it's it, again it's just so fascinating to see his those around him change from when we saw him come out in 2016 to then now he has these rallies after his arraignments now in Mar-a-Lago and now in Bedminster and the, the the cast of characters around him is just completely different than the people it just keeps going down and down of you know who's in his inner circle you know, it would have been the Kaylee or yeah. Alyssa back then. Yeah. And he's just the people going off that he keeps either cutting out or they leave. Um, it's just there's not many left of the original Trump crew. It's just, you know, I the just, my pillow guy and, and his campaign staff. Yeah. I have to wonder who would be part of that administration. But um, that is a long way from now. Kelly, you are so good to join me oh. on this podcast. I am watching your coverage all the time. Thank you out you. on the trail. And I know that you are listening to voters. And I hope that they're going to talk and engage yeah. with us. You know, that's my whole thing with yeah. our little podcast is going back to our Iowa roots. Absolutely. Respect, empower, include. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. It's been a blast. I'm so grateful for Kelly joining me this week for this gut check. Look, I'm going to keep covering all the candidates who are jumping in. We started with the Republicans because they have an active nomination process ongoing. But I can promise you we're going to get into the Democrats in waiting, too, because I believe what I said on election night 2022. Most Americans don't want a rematch of Biden v. Trump. I also believe that it's only those Americans who can actually make a difference when they get involved with the process. We shall see. Respect and power include. And we will be back in the next few weeks to dive deeper into some of the candidates who are jumping in the Republican field. So follow us wherever you get your podcasts to get the episodes first. <laughs>